Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is my co-host, Arzu. Hello. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Um, So this is the Geeky Waffles podcast, all about the Stargate Cinematic Universe. Uh, We have already covered the 1994 movie, and we'll be covering the shows SG-1, Atlantis, Universe, Infinity, and Origins, as well as the straight-to-home video wrap-up movies for SG-1. And each week we will be discussing our thoughts on one or two episodes of the show that we're currently covering, taking a chance to highlight how we think the show works for a modern audience. I have seen all the Stargate Contact except for Infinity and Origins, since I didn't know they existed before researching for this podcast. (laughs) So I'll be your resident expert. And Arzu is our newbie discovering these decades old shows for the first time. It is crazy to me to think that they're a few decades old because that makes me feel old even though i'm only 32 um (laughs) but um sg1 premiered 25 years ago atlantis 18 years ago universe 13 years ago so all three of the main shows have been concluded for over a decade that's insane to me yeah yeah this so the show originally prepared and premiered in 1997 and i don't think I watched it right away. Like my family watched it right away because it originally premiered on stars and we didn't have cable. And oh. so it didn't, the sci-fi channel eventually got the rights to the um, reruns. And so it was probably like 1998 or 1999 that my family started watching when it was on the sci-fi channel. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, probably eight or nine when I started watching um <laughs> i know my family's seen time. some of it but yeah <laughs> i don't know how much i don't have that details <laughs> um so we encourage you to watch the show along with us and you're welcome to find us on twitter to give us your thoughts on the show um at the end of each podcast i'll let you know which episodes we're going to be discussing next so you can come prepared uh, we are obviously going to be having spoilers since we're talking about you know these episodes in depth uh, but it's okay if you just want to listen along without watching. We're, everyone is welcome here. So today we're talking about both episodes one and two, Children of the Gods and The Enemy Within. Um, the first episode is double length, but I wanted to go ahead and do both of them together, which is essentially the length of three episodes, because these two episodes form a narrative arc that introduced the Stargate program and the main characters. Um, so ep- episode one premiered July 27th, 1997, uh, was written by Jonathan Glasner and Brad Wright and directed by Mario as a party. Episode two premiered August 1st, 1997, was written by Brad Wright and directed by Dennis Barry. So in the 94 movie that we watched last week, we followed a team of people from Earth who discovered how to use a device they call the Stargate to travel to other planets. And after meeting with the locals on this foreign planet, the team learns that an alien uh, inhabiting the body of a young human boy and impersonating the Egyptian god Ra introduced the Stargate device to Earth about 8,000 years ago, but was eventually cast out by the Egyptians. So Ra continues to rule over this foreign planet, forcing the locals to mine for the raw mineral that the Stargate is composed of to use in additional technological advancements. And the locals and the Earth team work together to kill Ra and set the people free. 
and everyone except the archaeologist Daniel Jackson returns to Earth at the end of the movie. So this show SG-1 picks up that story just over a year after the events of the 94 movie. So now that we're all caught up, let's dive into our first SG-1 discussion. Arzu, would you please give us a quick summary on what happened in these two episodes? I feel like you're going to spontaneously combust because I don't remember everybody's names right away because there are a That's lot of fine. names. <laughs> but so the first episode, um, some beings come through the Stargate and they look very much like Ra, like the enemies that they faced last time. They come through the Stargate to Earth, kill a bunch of people and kidnap a lady, a blonde lady. Yeah. Who's like a, she's a sergeant. She's a sergeant. Yeah. So they kidnap her and they go. In a panic, they get... I'm going to say the sentence again, but it's Colonel O'Neill, right? Yes. Okay. So in a panic, they go get Colonel O'Neill back. And they're like, Stargate is open again. We need you. You need to come back in. So he shows up along with Captain slash Dr. Carter, (laughs) um, which we were going to talk about shortly, um, to go through the Stargate and kind of see what's going on. So they go back... Um, to the world that now has a name, back to Abydos, which I think mm-hmm. we talked about last time, that the world yeah. had a name in the show. So they go yeah. back to Abydos to get Daniel and kind of tell him what's going on. So the first episode is them sort of parsing out this mystery. And while that happens, these beings come to Abydos and they make off with Daniel's wife and her brother. Mm-hmm. Eventually, her brother. Yes. But both of them get kidnapped at some point. Um so we find out that what these beings want is they want a host for their queen. Um, Sergeant does not make it, sadly. So, but Daniel's wife, Charade, is, you know, compatible to be the queen. So she is infested with this parasite, quite unfortunately. So they, yes. yeah, they have, they have that <laughs> problem to deal with. Episode two, jumping way ahead. Episode two, they are back on Earth. And I forget his rank, Major Kowalski. Yeah. Major Kowalski in the last episode was also infected with one of these parasites. Yes. We learn are called the, I'm going to trip over all of these words. (laughs) Gold. 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 He was infected with a gold parasite. And the second episode is mostly about figuring out, first of all, that he was infected at all. And second of all, them trying to get the parasite out. And they do get Shrey back in episode one, right? But not her brother. No, no, no they, they don't get don't? one of them back. No, no, no. Okay, not that fast. Just kidding. No. Wishful thinking. It's fine. <laughs> About, like, the names, um, I'm totally okay with, like, dropping the the ranks of people. Like, we don't necessarily need to say Colonel O'Neill. I just I'm okay with... Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with saying O'Neill or Jack, or I mean, just using like first name basis. I could remember fine. his first name. I could only remember his but, name. No, that's fine. I'm just saying, like, for future, ah, because yeah. they have like long titles. It's like, you know, Colonel Jack O'Neill and Captain Dr. Samantha Carter and Dr. Daniel Jackson. You right. know, we can just like gotcha. use first names. And then also, an actually kind of interesting thing is like the Guaul, that's the correct pronunciation, but. Um, Jack Colonel O'Neill just says Gould because okay. he's he can't say lazy. It. I don't know if it's that he can't say it or doesn't care to say it. Like he's not giving them the respect enough to say it correctly, or if he's just like being a white dude who doesn't 
care about how this foreign word is I pronounced. that his tongue just can't make the syllables. <laughs> That's what I think. But because, I mean, because this character just says Gould, I think it's okay if we interplay in Gwelwold versus Gould. Either one is fine. Little wormy parasites with teeth. <laughs> Several more syllables, but much funnier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. Parasites. Uh, are you regretting symbiotes. this yet? Are you no, regretting me and my nonsense yet? No, not at all. You can call them whatever you want to call them. The larval form of the, the symbiote is called a primta. Okay. If you want to go with that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to remember that one. <laughs> so what were your initial impressions of the show? Um, I miss James Vader. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who, Other than that. Who than you that. Um, wrote as James Sapter in your notes. I, <laughs> I'm very tired. You were um, so excited about James Vader. I was Vader. so excited about James Vader. I can't even spell James I can pronounce anything I can't spell. It's fine. I miss <laughs> James Vader very much. Um, otherwise, I don't know. It's the like late 90s, early 2000s sci-fi is a very cozy thing. Mm-hmm. And this feels very cozy. There are a lot of things that happen in these first two episodes where I'm just like, that's not something we would do now. Yeah. It, it, and I'm frankly shocked that we did it in 1997. Although one of the things we're going to talk about later, you saying that this aired on stars first makes mm-hmm. more sense now. But yeah. Because I had some questions, but um, that kind yeah, of like the nudity sense. stuff. The nudity, which I have a <laughs> lot of thoughts about, but um, thanks cable television. I mean, listen, that's why people were paying for cable, <laughs> I guess. Pre, pre Wi Fi. Um, but yeah, I think uh, compared to the '94 movie, I think they definitely realized that they needed to kind of flesh this out mm-hmm. to make it a series. So like. There's a lot more information being thrown at you, a lot more mythology, terminology, science, yeah. plot. It kind of made me appreciate how straightforward the 94 movie was, considering it was <laughs> like a brand new sci-fi story. Right. It was really focused on the plot. Yeah. It was like, you know, it's this brand new concept of like traveling to another dimension and all these characters. Mm-hmm. And it was still really straightforward. Yeah. And I don't think I appreciated that until I looked at this in like retrospect. Yeah. But I do feel like once you understand the basic concept of the Stargate, how it works, the Stargate program, you like the SGC um, on Earth, then it becomes pretty easy after that. Oh, 100%. It's just, it's yeah. just very, uh, it's just very interesting to think about it that way. That, like, yeah. The 94 sci-fi movie was quote unquote easy mode. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> true. So, were you confused at all about how the Stargate works? Uh, I think when Captain Dr. Carter kind of loosely explains it, mm-hmm. it made a little more sense. I'm kind of hoping mm-hmm. that it it makes more sense as I see it like in practice later. Because okay. she was ca- kind of explaining it, but it wasn't the most... I mean, you don't necessarily need to have, like, a super scientific understanding of it. I mean, it's basically that, you know, a wormhole is created between two devices Mm -hmm. that allows you to travel between them. And once you understand that, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd assume that's what it was. It was when she started talking about proximities that I wasn't okay. 100% <laughs> sure what she was talking about. Okay, I don't remember the line, but yeah, I believe Yeah. <laughs> if it's important, I guess it'll come back. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, they get into things like some of the mechanics of it, like a, a wormhole has a certain time limit before it will just... It's too far. Is that the distance thing where it's like too far apart to connect anymore? Right? That's no, there's like a no, there's like a kind of like a a fail-safe time limit. Like a wormhole can only stay connected for 38 minutes and then it'll like cut itself off essentially. Oh, and that's okay. just like that's just part of the engineering of the stargates, probably to prevent a connection from lasting too long and ca causing damage to one side or the other. Right. Um, but the distance isn't really a problem. Okay. So I don't know what she was saying. <laughs> oh, I, you know what? I think, I think I know what it was. So something about 50,000. I don't know. So their whole thing about why they, cause they tried hundreds of permutations and were never able to dial any planet except Abydos. I think mm -hmm. that's what she's talking about with proximity. Yeah. yeah. So that is how like the fact of, you know, planetary bodies, shift positions over time and everything is gradually expanding and so everything's getting farther apart and so what they eventually start calling the dial home device the dhd which is like the big circle thing that you dial um the earth doesn't have one and they the, made the it simon on the computer. says device. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the like telephone like device yeah like the big circle um so that device is supposed to automatically calculate for planetary shift. And, okay. and they don't have one on Earth. It's all on the computer. So they have to write a computer program that calculates for planetary drift. Okay. So that's what you're saying. Yeah. Because DHGs normally do that on their own. But they don't have one. Cool. So you want to talk about the uh, nudity? <laughs> Let's, okay. So... <laughs> When they take these women to see mm -hmm. who's going to be host or the queen, um, I suppose the shape of their breasts has something to do with whether or not they are compatible <laughs> hosts because they felt the need to rip their dresses off, stare at their breasts, and then be like, yes, you have a host potential. So a couple things. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, yeah, let me start with this. First of all, we've got... The sergeant whose name I forgot. Um, I don't remember either. I don't think it matters. She's uh, no. she's taken up first. Has her breasts ogled. And then they're like, yes, we'll give you a try. So they kind of shift her to put her on this table. Yeah. They um, lay her down. This... And it's like, yeah. it cuts before she turns. And then they lay her down on the table and the camera stops at her collarbone. So you don't see anything yeah. below her collarbone. And I'm like, okay. This makes sense. So then <laughs> that doesn't work. They kill the lady and then Sheree is taken up. Similarly, has her dress ripped off. And I don't want anybody to tell me they're looking at the abdomen because she had her abdomen out and they still ripped her whole dress off. And yep. then the camera turns and her boobs are out and we can see them. And the camera yeah. pans back. And apparently Abydos... Doesn't have electricity, but we sure are keeping a landing strip maintained for our husbands down there, aren't we? So <laughs> I didn't even think about that. She's I, so well groomed. Look, I was shocked that we're getting like full frontal nudity and that this wild desert woman 
is also getting bikini waxes. So, <laughs> like, okay. So then everything, like, it's first of all, very graphic when the host, like, the worm finally does go inside her. But we're lingering on this woman naked for a very long time. And I just think it's yep. very interesting that the white lady was not subjected to the same duration or mm-hmm. just fact of full frontal nudity that yeah. the woman of color was. Yep. And I just think that is something worth pointing out. This is yep. one of those things where I'm like, this was 25 years ago, but if it had been done today, I, I don't the know white that woman be would have also been it. nude. <laughs> Either the white woman would have also been nude or they would have kept it exactly the same. And I don't know that I'd be laughing. Like it's yeah. not, it's not even funny, but it's just kind of one of those things where you're like, Oh, 1997. It makes me wonder if because this was originally on stars, if stars was like, you have to give us something. See, you, you're saying it's on stars. I'm like, oh, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. And I'm also thinking they're thinking Sheree is one of the leads. So we have to see her Mm -hmm. boobs. But I mean, she's not really a lead. Technically. Well, she's married to the lead. Yeah, she's married. Lead adjacent. Yeah. She's got a name we can remember most of the time. Yeah. If it makes you feel any better, I don't recall any more nudity ever. Okay, so they just really went for it in episode one and then went, okay, we got them hooked. Everybody can keep their bra on now. Yeah, I I mean, there's certainly going to be outfits that have, like, cleavage, but... Oh, sure. I I mean, off the top of my head, I don't recall. Well, Daniel's character, we see... I think nude from behind. Yeah, but like later on. But it's not frontal. Count. Yeah, I don't think we see any frontal nudity. Okay, again. well that's good. Not that I recall anyway. That was my main gripe with the episode. <laughs> um but yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. I have I have, um, yeah. I have other thoughts. Like my my thoughts were all about like the women in the episode, but we didn't have to, oh, didn't for have sure. To yes. Out. Okay. Let's talk about Sam. So I think in your notes, you, you typed girl boss and I hashtag I typed, girl boss. Hashtag girl boss. And I think in my personal notes, I wrote hashtag boss bitch uh, or something like that. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> basically, Sam is like our only female lead for the majority of the show. Um, <laughs> not that i but dislike great. sam but she's amazing yeah yeah i feel like my only i i don't like her in the first few episodes not that i don't like the character or the actor um but i don't like how her lines were written mm. because she walks in and it's very much like a pissing contest because she's trying to prove to these men that she's as good as they are. And because they're trying to portray her as, you know, this really strong, independent, fierce woman. And they're doing it too much with these really stilted lines instead of just showing that on camera. Yeah, I think it's it's a lot of that, like, I'm a strong woman. I can fight. I can, like, whatever that again, is very 1997. Like, it is very Mm -hmm. much a product of its time where, like, this was kind of, you're either this or you're, like, a Disney princess. And there's no in between. Mm -hmm. So, like, and then you've got, like, 
like Sheree, who's like feisty and fights, mm-hmm. but is also ultimately a damsel in distress. And we see that with, yeah. the, with the sergeant a little bit too. And it's kind of either or. So my thing is just, I don't know. It's very girl boss in a way where I'm like, this isn't how we'd write women now. And I'm not even saying yeah. this is how they're going to write women in the other series. It's just very, you're right. It's very telling that it's very stilted. And it's like what a guy thought a strong woman sounds like. Yeah. And it does get better. And I, I saw an interview with Amanda Tapping, um, who plays Sam, that it was like in the first season, basically, she just had to perform what they gave her mm-hmm. and she wasn't given much leeway. But then when it, was, when it was like, okay, this show is doing well and you're doing a good job portraying this character, we can give you a little bit more give on the lines and how you deliver them and stuff like that. So she was able to do a bit more show and not tell of how much of a strong character she is. I'm almost wondering, I don't know if this is true, if if Sam Carter was originally written as a man hmm. and they had just added in the whole like, well, I'm a woman, but because anything else you're saying is it's basically like if Sam Carter were a guy, they would basically be the intersection of O'Neill and, and Daniel. Yeah. Both a scientist and a soldier. And even that would be enough for O'Neill to not trust Sam Carter. So right. I'm almost wondering if, if maybe Sam was written as a man and then they cast Amanda Tapping and they just added the the couple lines about gender in there, but otherwise kept mm. the dick measuring the same. I don't know. I, I'm not sure I agree necessarily because I mean, I feel like they, they had to have Jack and Daniel because they're the main characters from the movie. So they're like, okay, right. we got to have these guys. Um, but then I, Honestly, I feel like it's more like a diversity thing. They're like, okay, we need a woman. Right. And we need somebody who's not white. So right. they get a woman. So they get a woman and they get a black guy. Yes. They so ticked the, off their they, two boxes and called it a day. Yeah, exactly. Which I mean, it's basically the, the minimum that you should do. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's going to get better later but it is it is gonna get better um but yeah i mean there are things that i kind of noticed in rewatching, like how not all but most of the there's like other golds who come in and they're like looking for hosts for yet more golds most of them are white there was a few exceptions but most of the gold were white had white hosts and all most of the guards at least the ones that we could actually see their faces the guards for apophis were mostly people of color so it's like that's hmm Hmm. (laughs) not great Hmm. (laughs) and i mean a lot of the guards have like those full helmets on and stuff like that so you can't necessarily see what they look like so you could argue that maybe a lot of them are white but since the ones that we can actually see are all people of color, it's a bit sus. Just a little bit. Yeah. I, I feel like all this is making it sound like I didn't have fun with it. I did. Yeah. That's true. Like, I'm invested. <laughs> I don't mean to rag on it so much. Not to, not to drag this show so much, but, <laughs> like, it is going to get better. I know. Yeah. Every yeah. show is rough in the beginning. Yeah. And sometimes towards the end, but I don't think this is going to be that, that kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, it'll it'll definitely get better. And I mean, there's definitely like some like fun moments, um, like Daniel not really being sure whether to call Sam captain or doctor. Um, that was cute. <laughs> and you said that uh, he has a 
very obvious Canadian accent. He really does. I <laughs> like my head snapped up and then I had to Google him because I'm like, this is a Canadian man. <laughs> it's like my wife I don't is out there it, but... and I'm like, oh, she's <laughs> out there, is she? She's out See, there. I didn't eh? even notice. Gotta go I save could... your wife, eh? Like, I'm like, okay, local boy. And sure enough, yes, he is from Vancouver. So. Just slips out when he's not paying attention. So, I mean, listen, when you get excited, when you're not paying attention, maybe he had just called home. Because I know if I'm talking to my friends here, my accent gets stronger. So. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there are other, like, funny things. Uh, at one point, Sam references, like, she's trying to macgyver something to work Mm -hmm. and it immediately cuts to jack who rolls his eyes did you get that reference i I didn't but i feel like i shut up because richard dean anderson who plays colonel o'neill was macgyver oh that's why he looks familiar (laughs) look i know this i'm like i'm sure i've seen him somewhere Okay. Yeah. So That's I just, why it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love this like expression, like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, that's very smart. I saw it in your notes. Um, yeah. Where you're like MacGyver. I'm like, yeah, she made a reference to MacGyver. Don't you do that? But now I see why you wrote it down. Yeah, now you get it. Actually, there's um there's one of the act like kind of like background actors in the show who plays like one of the mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, he is also the stunt coordinator for the show. I don't remember. I'm trying to remember what his character name is. He has a character name. But he has like blonde hair and I'll point him out. Anyway, um, he was a stunt double for Richard Dean Anderson in MacGyver. So like they've known each other for a while. We have two MacGyvers. Yeah. There might be more than that. A lot of MacGyvers. But. Yeah, there's some there's some crossovers. Small world. Yeah, and uh, I noticed that like all of the Jaffa were wearing like what looked like standard issue army boots. <laughs> some things don't change no matter what uh, no matter what galaxy you're in. <laughs> yeah, and I I'm just thinking ahead to like future episodes where. Teal'c is like tracking and he's like oh you know I could see these the Jaffa came through here based on their footprints and you know the humans came through here based on their army tread I'm like yeah, they're they're the same army tread <laughs> <laughs> maybe they changed the soles of their boots <laughs> and we just can't see it yeah yeah. Well, I mean, I would think that the Jaffa would have deeper impressions because they'd be generally so much heavier from all the armor that they wear. Maybe that's how he can tell. But yeah, it's the exact same footprint, but the deeper ones are the Jaffa. <laughs> and their their armor is so impractical and also doesn't actually protect them that well. Ceremonial. Because <laughs> they're dramatic. Well, it's supposed to be battle armor. Ceremonial battle armor, because they're dramatic. <laughs> it's like sometimes it reflects bullets and sometimes it doesn't. So it's fine. Yeah. It's plot armor is what it is. But <laughs> 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 um 
one interesting I was thinking about in the second episode. So in the second episode, when so Major Kowalski has this gold inside of him, but it's not a mature gold, so it hasn't like completely taken him over. And they're trying to figure out if they can take it out of him without killing him. And the, so they have this colonel from the Pentagon come in to try to figure out if there's any way that they can study this gold. And he makes this whole argument about it being worth saving because it's an intelligent being. And everyone is like, you know, oh my God, you're so terrible for being willing to sacrifice Kowalski. You know, he's a human being, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not sure that Colonel Kennedy is totally wrong in this because the Gould are intelligent beings who are, you know, self-aware and, and have self-preservation. And so if they were human, then despite any crimes that they had committed, they would be granted a full trial and, you know, maybe they would be killed anyway, but there would be like more respect given to them. You're right. I agree. I think um, media sometimes has this double standard where they're like, but we can't because this person is a main character. Mm -hmm. And whatever thinly veiled reason they use around that um, somehow differentiates them from somebody with the exact same circumstance, except they're not main character. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not it's not an uncommon sentiment that I see in media. So but I do think you're right. I think like it is still an intelligent being. And I think the idea of saving one intelligent being over another versus killing both intelligent beings, like op the answer mm -hmm. is obvious. Yeah. You, you If you have the chance to save one or save none, you save one. I mean, obviously like Kowalski being like, burn it, kill us both. Mm -hmm. I understand why he feels that way because <laughs> yeah. he's killing him. But I think if the question is to study it, like, yes, it poses a big risk, but I don't think he's hundred percent in the wrong. Yeah. I mean, I there's definitely, I... like, there's a moral quandary there, like, in an yeah. ethical dilemma, because Kowalski doesn't want it. You yeah. know, can they study it against his will? I just don't know that I trust, like, a bumbling senior military official with something like that. But <laughs> in theory, he's right. I just don't know that I trust yeah. him with that. I mean, I, I don't know that he's, like, 100% right, but I think he just, he makes really good, he makes valid points. Like, there's a general thing to be said for keeping it alive to study it. Yeah. I just don't know that he should be the one to do that. Yeah. And I just in general, the idea of having respect for a gold because they're an intelligent being, I'm pretty sure he's the only person to ever suggest that. I mean, from here on out, it's like they're all evil. The yeah. Um, they're evil and we should kill them all. And so I just think it's really interesting that there is someone on Earth who's like, what about... <laughs> Wait a second. What about considering the fact that they are intelligent creatures, even if the ones... Because at this point, they haven't really interacted with very many of them. You know, they've, yeah. they've interacted with Ra and Apophis and this one that's in Kowalski. Um, and they've kind of seen some others from a distance, but you know, maybe a few dozen at most, who's to say that their entire race of, you know, potentially thousands or millions are all evil? 
but it killed their friends. So they're willing right. to write the whole thing off right away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously it works out because, I mean, the gold is evil and did deserve to die. But I think it's an interesting ethical conversation. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so when the team um, goes to Chulak to find Share and, and Skara... The first people they encounter are a bunch of priests that are, like, on their way to the temple, I guess. And they're the ones who tell them where the, like, town of Chulak is. And they don't speak any English at all. Right. And Daniel is having to communicate with them um, in kind of the, the hodgepodge that he kind of learned from Mabidos. But this is a little bit, this is a different dialect um, right. but then when they actually get to the city, the town of Chulak, I think it's both the planet and the town are called Chulak. I don't know. Um, <laughs> they like everybody speaks English, like Teal speaks English, Apophis speaks English. Yeah, it's just weird to me that like they go to this random planet and some people can speak English and some can't. I wonder about that. So I mean, the people not speaking English absolutely tracks for me. That's yeah. fine. We're not going to talk about that. Although I do think it's funny that a bunch of white guys base their language off of some ancient Egyptians and somehow Daniel's like there's a combination of Arabic. I'm like, I don't know how that happened, but okay. So <laughs> whatever, Daniel, it's fine. So that part made sense. But with them like speaking English, I'm wondering if it's either just they don't want to have to go through the trouble of teaching, quote unquote, mm-hmm. the characters English for our benefit Mm-hmm. Or if it's something like, like a babble fish or a universal translator. I'm pulling from other sci-fi. That's not a thing in Stargate. But like, no, it's not. <laughs> if, if there's some kind of like language thing, or if it's like they have traveled around, so they have picked it up. Right. I just don't know where they would have picked it up. But I'm wondering if maybe that's it. Yeah, I I feel like it's kind of one of those unspoken things that everybody on these other planets has to speak English because otherwise we would never really get anywhere. Um, yeah. And so I think it's just one of those things that we're kind of supposed to ignore because if they didn't speak English, <laughs> how would we have a plot? But what I wonder, and, and maybe you know this, is do they ever explain this like the way they do in like Star Trek or or other stuff where like, like a one-off explanation that that's kind of enough to carry you through. Like everybody in Star Trek has a universal translator and they can just like whatever language somebody's speaking to them, they hear the language they speak. Do you no. know what I mean? Do they no. not ever have that? Mm-mm. All right. We're just, uh, <laughs> everybody speaks English. Everyone in the entire universe speaks English. I mean, sometimes they also have their own, like, local language, but they also... They also all speak English. All speak English. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things that I think, like, as language people kind of bugs us. Yeah. But we just kind of have to ignore it. It's just so... I feel like it's it's much more obvious in this first episode when you have some characters that don't speak English and some that do. Yeah. I think if everybody just speaks English, I think at some point you'll just stop thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm not sure if the like, language issue also ties into the white savior issue in terms of this 
universal English being a universal language that comes from this original source. I don't know if it's if it's intentional. I think like the the white savior thing, like the fact that they show up on this planet and the priests see them and immediately start bowing and they're like, oh, they think we're gods. And I'm like, I don't know why, because you all look exactly like the priests. Like they, <laughs> they also look human. So I'm like, so I don't know why, but okay. Um, I think that is like the intentional white saviorness of it all. Mm-hmm. And the English is just not something anybody thought about. Yeah. Past ease of reference for, for the audience. Mm-hmm. Cause to them, like, cause we know, Having studied language, having lived abroad, we know that like English in a non-English environment has a very colonizing vibe to it. Mm-hmm. There's a word for that: colonial. A very like colonial, <laughs> yeah. colonizing. It's a word. Um, <laughs> it's a very like colonized vibe. A very kind of you have to learn English because this is what the people who took over speak. Mm-hmm. But there are no native English speakers on these worlds. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like. They're not humans that were pulled out of an English-speaking country. They're just aliens that happen to live there and speak fluent English. So I don't think this is something they thought about. Yes and no. I mean, in Um, this context, they're not English-speaking humans. So a couple of things. The the priests think that they're gods because only the Gwold know how to use the Stargate. So anybody who comes through the Stargate is most likely gold. So that's why they assume that they're gods. Okay. And that's something that we see, that's something that we see continuously throughout the show is they travel through the Stargate and whatever primitive people are on the other side, assume that they're either gods or some kind of hyper intelligent being because they know how to use the Stargate and they don't. Right. And the locals don't. Right. Okay. So that that is fair. But I think, I also think if you, as a showrunner, as a writer, have constructed a narrative where every time your white heroes show up, they're like, oh my God, they're gods. Like, <laughs> you kind of know what you're doing. But maybe this is yeah. taking I mean, too it's sinister read of it. it. Well, it helps the characters be welcomed on the planets they go to rather than immediately mm-hmm. shunned. So there's definitely that. No, that would be funny. Um. But the other thing, they have to like run. (laughs) I mean, sometimes that happens. Um, The other thing is that, so the Gwold themselves, who are these these symbiotes, are obviously a totally alien species. But all of the humans that they encounter on all the different planets they go to are all seeded from Earth, which they talk about in that second episode that we watched. Okay. Because Teal'c says that, you know, they're taught that there was once a race of people called the Tari who had the original evolution of the human being and humans were taken from that planet and seeded across the galaxy by the Gwa'uld. And then they're like, well, we evolved on this planet. We are the first evolution of humans so all of the humans that we encounter on all the the planets that we're going to visit all originally came from earth at Which different points in time very nice explanation for the lack of alien makeup in the budget yes works very nicely 
It's still like that still doesn't explain the English thing, though, unless they were taken from an English speaking place. I mean, I guess you could kind of assume that if the Gould took them from Earth to these other planets, maybe they didn't want to teach them their own language because then maybe they could be outsmarted, but they were willing to teach them English, which was one of many local languages on Earth as a kind of lingua franca. But would they not have their own language when they were taken? Uh, I would, I mean, originally, yes. Um, Why do they need to teach them? Would that not perpetuate among... I like that we've totally passed these episodes and it's just a large (laughs) theory now. Um, But would that not, like... Okay, so uh, two things. Either they just teach them English and they have no memory of their other language, or Mm -hmm. they do have a memory of their other language and the Gwald are teaching them English anyway. Yeah. Which makes the English as a colonized language thought... Much more deliberate. Yeah. Do we get confirmation either way? No. This is entirely theorizing on my part because I think it's fascinating. (laughs) Oh, I like that. That makes me a lot happier. Because there are some planets they go to where they have their own local language. It's just that they also speak English. Because English is the colonized language. Yeah. Uh, But there are some... The world happens to pick English. Of all <laughs> languages they could have taught. Yeah, that that's rather convenient. Rather than like Egyptian. Um <laughs> Right. Like literally any other language is like no, the, the dominant language of commerce. Yeah. Although I guess for this universe's sake, it could be that Egyptian itself is actually derived from the Gwold language. And if they don't want to spread their own language amongst their slaves, then they pick another dominant language of the planet to be the lingua franca but i mean i'm not sure why english as opposed to like french or something but that'd be very funny if they all just whip out this beautiful fluent french in the middle of this very american (laughs) television series (laughs) yeah but yeah i mean something that we see certainly in the first couple seasons is like the first next few episodes like going to another planet and encountering um a people who has a culture from a very specific earth time period and it's like they were taken from this very specific place on earth in this specific time and transplanted and they have not changed in the thousands of years since, which is like a whole other conversation to have. Like humans only <laughs> evolve when they're on Earth. If they're somewhere else, there is no evolution. Right. Well, but then they do encounter some that are more technologically advanced than them. So that's just fascinating to me, like how some, like most of the people they encounter are much more primitive. Hmm. But I'll, some people have advanced past them. So it's like, what kind of conditions were they put into on these other planets that allowed them to progress at different rates? Huh. Yeah. Yeah, my initial thought is, like, the ones who have not progressed at all were probably, you know, essentially put there in a vacuum and had no contact with any other people whatsoever. And so had no challengers to you know, alter their society in any way. And maybe the ones that progressed a lot, maybe there was an alien being on the planet that fundamentally changed how they did things. Yeah. I don't know. 
I don't have answers to any of this, by the way. Oh, great. So it's just a lot of open speculation. But it'll yeah. be fun to like keep this in mind going forward. Yeah, totally. So we've touched on some of this already, um, but how this show works for a modern audience. We've talked about the nudity of a white versus POC lady um, and the guards being POC versus gold, mostly being white. Um, are there any other racist or sexist elements that come to mind? I, I think a lot of it, I mean, we touched on a lot of it. We touched on most of it. I think a lot of this is just things that were the norm then for television mm-hmm. and I'm not saying it was okay then but nobody was trying to do any different so yeah. I am very forgiving my favorite television series is an old one so I recognize that these things don't necessarily carry over and I don't ask them to um, if this had been made today if this was like season one and we were watching it live I don't know that I would have made it past these episodes mm-hmm. because I wouldn't want to see this being done now but this being done in 1997, I think, gives it a little bit of wiggle room. Yeah. Especially knowing that it does. It does get better. In in just a few episodes, I think in episode four, we meet um, a woman doctor. She's not one of the five main characters, but she's a recurring minor character. And awesome. she's a very, like, strong, independent woman who needs no man kind of thing too, but like without being super showy about it, she's a really good like female character to have on there. And then in the later seasons, I want to say starting in season eight, there's another main woman lead who comes on to join Sam. So, okay. um, I would, I think what I would like to see, and I don't know if we're going to get it in this series, like maybe we'll get it in the other ones, maybe we won't get it at all. I don't know. Is like some sort of, in between of like strong independent don't need no man hashtag girl boss mm-hmm. and like damsel in distress right like i, I like know ordinary like a like a real person because mm-hmm. women mm-hmm. contain multitudes i'm i yeah. know i'm asking an awful lot for the sci-fi <laughs> i know that so um, i mean there's about. there's some female villains who come up do they all so, die no they don't die. They're not punished for the crime of being a woman and being evil. I mean, I think a lot of them die eventually, but it's not like one and done. Like they get some like long story threads. Well, I don't know them yet, but I'm sure they were right and very justified. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like we don't get a lot of necessarily just like ordinary, like everyday women. <laughs> Uh, because like this is a military operation, right? There's a military not... operation going into like not primitive environments, but like women who need help. And yeah, the military. Okay. That's yeah, better. and I mean they even directly mentioned in this first season. I want to say it's like episode ten or something. Um, where they we actually meet the, our first female villain. They specifically talk about how there's only like. 10 at most women on the entire base and how that's not cool. Um, (laughs) So they do actually call it out as being a problem, but I mean, that's kind of like a problem. It's pointing out a problem with the U S military as a whole. Right. 
but yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically, it's very limiting in terms of what kind of women can be represented in this military institution. Well, that's okay. I've got my uh, expectations managed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, if a modern audience is willing to kind of be forgiving of that, mm-hmm. then yeah, I think in terms of a sci-fi show, I would say it holds yeah. up so far. Yeah, I think we get better female representation like in the people that we meet on other planets. Right. In terms of, like more a like broader variety of people. Yeah. But I think one thing that never makes it into the show is queer representation. I cannot remember a single instance of any kind of queer representation. On the sci-fi channel? <laughs> yeah, I don't... I mean, nothing's going to... Maybe I'm forgetting something, but... Well, maybe we'll be surprised. Yeah. I'm not recalling anything. Even on the other shows. I don't know. Maybe there might be one, one relationship in the Stargate Universe show. I don't remember. Hmm. But yeah, so that's definitely one big area where the entire franchise fails is in queer representation. But kind of then going, not to like excuse it, but this being made in the late 90s is like, well, that wasn't really on people's radar. That wasn't a requirement. Was this not the era of Don't Ask, Don't Tell? Probably. So that's why. Yeah. I mean, certainly. Yeah, certainly in the military, there's not going to be anything. Um, I mean, they're not allowed to have romance at all in the middle. Like most of the romance you see on the show is like on other planets because like you can't have any romance in the military. That's why. <laughs> and then they're not going to yeah. do that rep for the other people. So because they're not the main characters. So yeah, yeah. One interesting thing I think that we could talk about is like whether or not this show in general or episodes more specifically could pass the Bechdel test. Mm -hmm. Um, which I want to acknowledge is purely socially driven tool and not at all academic because it's from a comic. (laughs) (laughs) So the Bechdel test um, does not hold up any rigorous academic study, Um, but I do think it's a useful conversation starter in terms of are there two named women characters who talk to each other about something other than a man? I don't think so. I don't think these two episodes had that, did they? I don't think so, because the women don't interact. Yeah, I mean, we have Sam and we have Sharae. I don't think Sharae even Sharae doesn't even really talk very much. She has like Sharae talks to Daniel and she yells yeah. at the bad guy once, but otherwise Sharae yeah. doesn't really talk. No, the the and... sergeant doesn't talk to anybody but a man. No. Um, mm-hmm. and Sam doesn't have any other women to talk to. Yep. Not yet. I mean, yeah. I know there are things that, like, pass the Bechdel test that shouldn't, and then things that don't pass the Bechdel test, but do a great job of representation. So, like you said, there is that. Right. But yeah. it is an I mean, interesting question. I find TV has an easier time passing the Bechdel test just because there's more of it, but... Yeah. More episodes to, like, yeah. be able to... Um, yeah, and I don't think that a show has to pack the Bechdel test in order to be a good show. But, I mean, it, it does very much show that it's of its time and, and doesn't really concern itself with having multiple women characters. I don't know what is worse. Is if, if it doesn't pass the Bechdel test because you don't have enough women with which to pass the Bechdel test, or mm-hmm. if it doesn't pass the Bechdel test and you had the opportunity to do that. 
I don't know which right. is worse. Probably the second one. Well, you know, I think this will come up in the very next episode that we watch. So the very next episode is kind of universally known as the worst episode of all of Stargate ever. Oh, um, goody. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just like rampant sexism, like really, really bad sexism and healthy dose of racism too. Um, <laughs> and the question of the Bechdel test, I think will be really interesting in that one because we do have um, a named woman character that Sam talks to but whether or not what they talk about qualifies as not talking about a man is up for debate. <laughs> okay. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. <laughs> this uh, this worst episode of All Stargate. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm glad to get it out of the way <laughs> so I can try to convince you that this was not the worst idea ever <laughs> to start this show and podcast. <laughs> I don't crazy. I don't scare you, Zeke. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. I made it through shows that are far worse in that respect. So Yeah, that's true. It's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just over here like, I promise it gets better. <laughs> Man, I got Ming-Na Wen and Jason Momoa to look forward to down the line. I'm not, I'm oh, not scaring yeah. away until I get there. Oh, yeah. It's a young Jason Momoa, too. Yeah. But he has, uh, he has his, like, recognizable tattoos already. Tattoo Jason Momoa. See, I know that's coming, so I'll put up with the stuff that, like, is yeah. bumpy. You know what I mean? <laughs> totally. Does that make me shallow? Maybe. But that's okay. It's I'm allowed. fine. I'm allowed. We are I'm allowed ready. to comment on the attractive people that we see in the show. I'm, it's fine. I'm allowed to find Jason Momoa handsome. I don't think yeah. it's a bad thing. I think he knows how no, handsome he is. So, oh, he he definitely knows how handsome he, he is. knows how handsome he is. So, oh okay. yeah. <laughs> so, do you have any final thoughts on these two episodes that we haven't discussed already? Can't think of it. Oh, I do wonder where those aliens get all those pretty dresses that they like to rip. But that's <laughs> they go through a lot of fabric. They go through a lot of fabric, but like these are tailored, they're nice, uh-huh. they're beaded, and like as somebody who sews, they're not easy to make. So... I kind of got the idea because Apophis has like basically a harem of women at his disposal. Yeah, I get the and they're all this. well, they're all skinny, so I I feel like there's probably a tailor who just makes a bunch of dresses that are kind of a little bit loose fitting, so that they can fit any woman who comes into his harem. Well, First of all, wh- where are you getting all the stuff to make these dresses? One. Two. <laughs> why are you ripping them? Because he has so much wealth. He doesn't care. Okay. And enough. the poor tailor in the back is like, oh, man. Not I gotta, again. <laughs> I got to fix this and make it reusable. <laughs> Just make some, like, like really loose stitches. So hmm. like, 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 a, like stripper pants, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the tailor just makes them that way. Yeah. 100%. Easily rich, easily repaired. Totally yeah, fine. It's like, what, three stitches per inch or something? <laughs> rips right out. <laughs> um, one thing that I found really entertaining in like <laughs> the background scene was so they rescue a whole bunch of people from Chulak and they take them back to Earth so that they can later you know let them go home there's this one guy 
who I guess he's supposed to be kind of on more on the primitive side because of like what he's wearing and he has this like long scraggly hair and he doesn't really talk at all. But this dude is ready to throw down. <laughs> and like when they're on Tulak trying to escape and all of the Earth soldiers are like shooting their guns and whatnot at the enemy while all of the innocent people are like running through the Stargate to escape. This dude is picking up rocks and throwing them. And he hits, he, he has good aim. And he's like hitting these Jaffa soldiers who are coming after them. And he's one of the last people through the gate because he's just like, yeah, I'm here to fight. He was not going down without a fight. No. And he's the toughest person on this show. Yeah. And then he comes through the gate ready to fight again because he's like, I don't know what's on the other side of that gate. He's not wrong. Yeah. He comes through like in a fighting stance and like he's not wrong because all, all these soldiers are pointing guns at him and he's like, I'm not scared of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> until they all stand down and he's like okay i guess you're all right but i just love his energy <laughs> it's so good it's like yes <laughs> iconic yeah. and he's not even like supposed to be a focal point <laughs> i just i watch him every time <laughs> okay so i love it i love when there's like a background narrative yeah totally <laughs> um so it didn't apply to today's episode i don't because I'm misremembering something. Um, but I think it would be fun to start a death count for the main characters. I'm thinking pretty much just Sam, Jack, Daniel, and Teal. But I think we could also throw General Hammond in there if we wanted. Because over the seasons of the show, the main characters may have um, an alternate form of them die. Or somebody thinks that they're dead and they're not really dead. And I read somewhere that Daniel dies, quote unquote, dies the most in SG-1. I I don't know if that's true, but I think we should count. Okay. (laughs) And that would be really fun. Um, Yeah, I don't think any of the main characters have near death. I don't know if we should count Daniel from the movie because he does actually get shot and put in the sarcophagus in the movie. I don't think we should count that. Okay, just for SG one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. So I'll start a um a death tally. <laughs> we can check in on it at the end of every episode. Yeah. See where we're at. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So next week we're gonna be watching episodes three and four. Or if you have the DVDs, they're numbered weird, and the pilot is not episode one. So if you're watching DVDs versus like streaming on Netflix look at the um, episode titles rather than the episode numbers. (laughs) Um, So the episodes are Emancipation and The Broken Divide. And you're welcome to watch along with us. And something else I like to do at the end of each uh, podcast episode is to give you, give you, Arzu, a quote from the next episode and see if you can guess who says it and in what context. Are you ready? Yes. So your quote is, here's your chance to shut me up once and for all. Okay. My guess is it's Daniel. Mm-hmm. And the context is he's about to do something really stupid. <laughs> and he's speaking to O'Neill. Okay. He's speaking to O'Neill. He's about to do something stupid and reckless. Mm-hmm. And O'Neill's like, 
don't do it. And Daniel's like, I'm going to do it. And he like needs O'Neill's help for it. So mm -hmm. here's your chance to shut me up once and for all, meaning like help me do the thing and either thing work oh, and okay. yay, or it's going to get me killed. And then you don't have to put up with me anymore. <laughs> That's my elaborate theory. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll find out next episode if you're right. Watch me be so <laughs> very wrong. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. Okay. Um, so that's it for today. If you want to talk to us about Stargate, you can find us on our podcast Twitter page at We're Mall Waffles. You can find me on Twitter at Chelsea Fairless. Or Arzu, where can everyone find you and the rest of Geeky Waffle? Okay, so you can find me on Twitter at Arzu Amin. Um, all of my stuff is on my bio. It's a lot of Star Wars stuff. If you're here for Stargate and you don't know me from anywhere else, I am primarily a Star Wars person, so that's mostly what you're going to see on Twitter. Um, Geeky Waffle-wise... You can find us on Twitter at geeky underscore waffle. We are the geeky waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And we are at thegeekywaffle.com. And that's where you can find reviews that I have written, that Chelsea has written, that all of our wonderful contributors write. You can find all of our shows on the site as well. And we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash thegeekywaffle. That's where you can find us. Hooray. All right. So thanks for joining us today. And we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon. Bye. Bye.